Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Kingdom Moment. I'm Reverend Henry Falcone from Plymouth Bio Ministries, and I thank you for joining our broadcast today. This is our video and audio podcast that we put on Spotify and on our YouTube channel. Um, so we hope that you'll be able to find it and that um, these times, this particular podcast series, the Lord has me, wants me to take one particular point or, or topic, so to speak, and develop that and be able to take it practically and apply it to our lives. So today's topic is going to be found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse um, 6. And it says, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they shall be filled or completely satisfied. Praise God. So that's really important for us uh, to look at. And how does that apply to us walking in kingdom life and true kingdom life and allowing the kingdom of God to operate in you? I, I, I felt this morning that this afternoon, really, the Lord gave me this scripture to focus in on, to teach us about why is it important that Jesus is our first love. And for you millennials, and for, for those of you younger and older, okay, how critical is it for us to develop a quality of of seeking the Lord, not just a quantity, but a quality of seeking the Lord. And what does it mean? And how do we seek the Lord? You know, people tell you, go home and seek the Lord. But what does that mean? So many people don't understand. Okay, what does that mean? I go home and pray and I put a list up, make my petitions, my requests unto the Lord. What does it mean to spend time with the Lord? And and what what are the benefits of spending alone time with the Lord? What happens to you? What do you receive from the Lord? How do you get to know the Lord? In, in those times. Thank you, Lord. So with that scripture, I want us to start with going over to the Song of Solomon and chapter uh, chapter one. And I want to show you, I'm going to share with you today something my spiritual father, Wade Taylor um, from Pinecrest, uh, taught me many, many years ago when I, probably back in the late 80s. I was very desperate for the Lord. Out of necessity, Okay, out of a lot of trials and persecution, I had no choice but to spend time with the Lord. And I would go on my keyboard and I would just play and I'd sing my heart out to the Lord. I couldn't play just regular written songs. I would just sing. And then sometimes I'd just stop and cry and I'd say, Lord, I said, just come. Could you just wrap your arms around me, Lord, today? And you know what? He did. I could actually, come, I could actually feel a surrounding presence of the Lord. I didn't expect that. I was very young in the Lord, maybe one or two years in the Lord. Oh, but he just came and he soaked me and I would be overwhelmed with his presence. And so I began to seek him more. Say, Lord, I really want to know you. I want to hear you. I just don't want to know your hand. I just don't want to know what you're doing. I just don't want to know about your power and about your works. I want to know you, the one who saved me, the one who loves me, the one who gave himself for me. I want to know you, Lord. I don't want to know about you, but I want to know you personally and intimately. And fortunately, at that time, you know, I was so hungry for the Lord. I would spend hours worshiping, sitting in his presence, reading his word. And, and, and I was even beginning to pastor at the time. And, and other pastors say, you, sh you can't spend your time doing that. You got to be out winning the lost at all cost. You got to get out there and do the work of the Lord. You're commanded to preach the gospel. You're commanded. You said, go forth into every nation, preach the gospel and make disciples of the nations. I know that. But yet there was something inside of me that is so desperate for the Lord, so hungry for the Lord. I'm sorry, those things keep going on. I'm, 
uh, on and off. I wish they weren't on, but I don't know how to get rid of them. <laughs> These notifications, I'll have to, you know. So hopefully you won't have too many of those things happening while I'm doing the broadcast. But if, I, if they do, I apologize. I, I'll try to figure out later how to get them not to make that noise. But anyways, let me see if this will work. I'll just leave it alone. Okay. But anyways, um, so I was very desperate for the Lord. And I'll never forget when I got invited to go to a place called Pinecrest in Southbury Center in upstate New York. It's in the middle of nowhere. And at this particular place, this is where Wade Taylor was, and I had met him before. When you walk on the ground, as soon as I got there, you felt the presence of the Lord, the manifested presence of the Lord. I've never walked on the ground, and it was acres and acres of land. It was an old TB hospital that they converted into a Bible school and a church and ministry. And people from all over the world came here. It, was, it wasn't well, well known, but it was well respected because of the quality of the presence of the Lord, the, the quality of the Lord being there and getting to know him. And it was so easy to pray. It was so easy to intercede. It was so easy to worship because it was just like an open heaven. And, and I, I began to, um, you know, to, you know, uh, go to the meetings. And when they had their first gathering meeting, um, I had never been in anything like this before in my life, but when, but they just started worshiping the Lord. They sang in tongues. They gave interpretation in tongues. They sang prophetically to the Lord. They ministered to the heart of the Lord. And people actually brought their instruments that weren't part of the, the worship team. And they would bring that, you know, um, um, they would bring that into the into the congregation. And that was amazing. And all of a sudden, at the right moment, they would just play their instrument and it would blend perfectly, perfectly with the, with, with what the people were doing and the, the, the choir and the, and the weather choir, but the singers and the musicians. And as they would play it, someone would give an interpretation of it. Now I'm saying this because what was there was a respect for the Lord and his presence. I desired to meet the Lord. I desire where the Lord was welcome. He was welcome in this place. He was welcome there continually. And he hovered there, just like when, when, when Joshua lingered in the presence of the Lord after Moses left because God stayed there, his presence was still there, and Moses lingered there. Well, uh, Joshua lingered there. Joshua was chosen by the Lord because he had a lingering heart that wanted the presence of the Lord. God is seeking those who will worship him, who want him, who desire him, who will take the time necessary to spend with him. One of my favorite scripture verses is, is Proverbs 8, verses um, uh, 17 and 21. And uh, 8.17 says, I love them. The Lord says, I love them that love me. And those who seek me early and diligently, they'll find me. That's amazing. They'll find me. And then verse 21 says this, and those that I love, I will cause them. Isn't that beautiful? I will cause them to inherit true riches and I'll fill their treasuries. What does that mean? It means when you desire the Lord, you seek him early and diligently. And Hebrews 6 tells us he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The greatest lack in the body of Christ in our nation is the diligently seeking of the Lord. We seek the things of God. We seek the power of God. We seek answers to prayer. We seek a lot of things about God and his work. But not many, beloved, seek the Lord for himself or want to know him for themselves. Many are called. But few will pay the price to qualify to, to really get to know him. 
So one of the things I felt the Lord wants me to do on these podcasts and for the rest of them as I is to is to share with you some principles and techniques about developing your relationship with the Lord. Now, one of the things that I was amazed from my spiritual father, Wade Taylor, was how he approached the Lord. I call it the protocol of approach. He just didn't come and when, when, when there was a prayer meeting, it wasn't like any kind of prayer meeting I've ever been in before, where everybody starts praying and starts praying in tongues and laying the requests and petitions. It had to do with waiting. It really did. It had to do with waiting on the Lord. And, and that, that's, that, 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 that is really uh, something is that, um, that as, 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 as they learned how to wait upon, as they learned how to wait upon the Lord, there was just a, a desire, uh, for, for the Lord to come, a desire for, um, I don't know how to describe it to you, a desire where, you know, they were expecting Jesus to come through that door any minute. That's the only way I can say it. They were expecting him. I've been in a lot of prayer meetings where we're doing all the praying. We've got a lot of prayer needs. But in this particular prayer meeting, there was a posture of waiting. Isaiah chapter 40 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall change and renew their strength. And then they will mount up on wings of eagles and they'll run and they'll not grow weary. What I found here at Pinecrest was they cultivated what they call waiting on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord doesn't mean just, okay, I'm just gonna wait till God shows up. No, it's it's a heart position. And I wanna encourage you, if you really want to know the Lord and, and continue to, to, to really get to know him as a person, then I would encourage you to set a time apart every day. Start with 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, same time every day. And just come and develop that with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I hope this is going to continue. Uh, uh, and it should. Um, I'm trying to get rid of those dings from from making that noise huh? from those notifications. It's a little annoying, but um, there was a cultivating and waiting. And what I noticed, he uh, Wade Taylor did was that he would go into his in his he had his chair and people who would come to to join in prayer with him at six o'clock in the morning. He would come and he'd do this. He'd sit in his chair, eyes closed, with his hands like this. I think he did that as an act of surrender to the Lord. And he waited. And there was soft music playing in the background, instrumental music. I wouldn't play your favorite songs from, from, from Bethel or, or any other worship thing. I would get a, a quiet instrumental one in the background, just so that it just a lifting presence comes. And, you know, till his presence comes. And then you wait. And what are you waiting for? You're waiting for the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord, to lift you up, to mount you up on wings of eagles. There is an actual spiritual lifting of your spirit to meet the Lord as a spirit. If you'll take the time to wait. And he just closed his eyes like this and he waited on the Lord. And he just was still. Now, I've tried that for years. And this is not an easy thing for me to do because my mind races like a million miles. Maybe you guys can identify with that. And so to get my mind to be still, I had to learn, okay, on how to make it get quiet. And so I learned from Brother Lawrence, who was a, a, a Catholic monk probably back in the 1800s, that 
he, he wrote a great book, and you should read it, called Practicing the Presence of the Lord. And he talked about setting the gaze of your soul towards the Lord. And so there's a couple of things that I do when I come now, and I, I, I sit and I wait in the presence of the Lord, is that I'll have my Bible with me, okay? And, you know, and perhaps I just need to center on one scripture, like John chapter 15, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Sometimes just using that scripture to help center you upon the Lord will help quiet your mind. But what I try to do now is, is, is just to sit quietly and then express my love to the Lord. And that's what I saw Brother Taylor doing. And he did it very, very, very reverently, quietly. He would say, I love you, Lord. And that would be it, just like that. I love you, Lord. And then he said something that I had not heard anybody say before. I so appreciate you. Now, if you've heard any of my broadcasts or been to any of gatherings and meetings that God has me, this is something that God worked in my life. And he said, I appreciate you. You can love somebody and not appreciate them. Not really, but you can say you love somebody and not appreciate. When, when, when Brother Taylor said, I appreciate you, Lord, he was saying, I appreciate your person. I appreciate who you are. I appreciate your value. And to me, that was the highest expression of love because I'm appreciating you as a person, who you are. When somebody appreciates you in, 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 in the church age or in, in just in the world, they appreciate what you've done for them. They're thankful. And there's nothing wrong to appreciate what people done did for you, but to appreciate a person. And that's how I had to learn how to love my wife. I just have to appreciate her. I have to appreciate what God created her to be. I had to learn to see her the way that God sees her. I had to learn to see my kids the way that God sees them, not by what they do right, not by what they do wrong, but just their value. And that you can only get from the love of God. That's why you have to spend time in the Lord's presence. If you're truly going to value what God created and love one another as he loved you, you can't do that. Just saying, telling you, and this is, the, we're just going to be in love and we're just going to walk in unity. And we're just, and you, yes, you can in the natural but the true, pure, holy love of God is an experience. It's a person. And when I get filled with that person, it changes my perspective. It changes my eyesight. It changes my hearing. It changes my understanding. And I begin to see, the, see things the way he does. Why? Because his desire is to share with you what he sees. His desire to share with you what he hears. It desires to share with you what's on his heart, like a bride with a bridegroom or a bridegroom with his bride. He wants to share everything with you. But he's looking for those that want him, that he can trust to share his secrets, his heart. The scripture says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to seek it out. And one of the most important things that I, I had to learn was to how to appreciate the Lord. And I, I'm very grateful for all that God has done for me. But when I get to it, and this has been something, I think probably from the day that I got saved, I am grateful for all that God has done. I am thankful for all that the Lord has blessed me, strengthened me, helped me, forgiven me, restored me and my family, and we've messed up so much. And I'm very grateful for that. And I love him because of those things. But I also love him for more than that. I just love him because he is. He's worth loving. He's worth being with. He's worth knowing. He's worth pursuing. Many love working for the Lord. 
Many love doing the works of God. And I understand that. But after all these years, okay, I love the work of the Lord, but I love the Lord of the work more. And I want to. I've said to the Lord over and over again, Lord, if you never use me again, if I never do another ministry work, I'm content. I can go back to being a restaurant manager, Lord, and I will love you there because you saved me. You are my everything, God. I'm indebted to you in a way of love and appreciation because of you. Yes, for what you've done, but more than that, because now I see the one who did it. Now I love the one who did save me. Now I love the one that did heal me. Now I love the one that did deliver me. I love the one who did it. Not just what he did, but I love the one who did it. And that's where you, that's when, when you get that heart developing in you, Matthew 5 becomes a real word of the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does that mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? It means God. God is our righteousness. So when we're hungering and thirsting after his righteousness, we're, th- we're, we're, we're hungering after God in his character. And there's a promise. You shall be filled. You'll be completely satisfied. One of the things, again, I learned from my spiritual father was to pray this prayer. And I do pray it. Lord, I know you, but I want to know you better. I hear you, but I want to hear you better. I love you, and I want to love you better. And the only way I can do that is by spending time with him, not just in a devotional time, but from that point of developing that time alone with the Lord, that the Lord would teach me how to keep my eyes, have a single eye, a dove's eye upon the Lord, that my pursuit would always be him so that what I would think about him, eat him, eat, drink, sleep, you know, in love with the Lord. Now, um, I remember when I first fell in love with my wife, that was it. I was done. I was consumed with her. I thought about her 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I would write her name everywhere. I love her. I mean, I couldn't wait to see her. I, I, I went to school in Providence, Rhode Island. She went to school in Willamette, Connecticut. It's about 40 minutes apart. I would drive home every single day and night to go see her. I knew she worked the night shift. I'd do my schoolwork during the day. I'd work my shift, you know, and every day I was free, I would drive down there and I would sit from five o'clock at night until one o'clock when, she, when, when it was closed. And we would sit there from one to three o'clock sometimes in the morning and just talking, getting to know each other, hear each other, love each other. And then I would drive home to go to class for eight o'clock in the morning, which wasn't good. And my grades suffered greatly for it, but I got lovesick. I was lovesick for her. I knew she was the one that I had to marry. I'm grateful for that experience of falling in love like that and changing my whole life to obtain that love, to know her, to get to know her and to marry her. Because eventually that very heart that God was working in me to be able to love and pursue her was the very thing that he needed in me to pursue him, to give up everything. And I did. I left my job. I had a very good paying job. Okay. I had lots of money. Two cars, kids, had the whole works. But after I got saved, none of it mattered anymore. Pursuing him, not working for him, to know him, to love him, to answer that calling upon my life was everything. And it still is to this day. I must. And I I, I, I'm in, I, I love my wife today, 40 years, almost 41 years later, more than I did today than I did when I met her. And I can tell you, 35 of those years, I love Jesus more today than I did 35 years ago. 
And I know his love more today than I did 35 years ago because I learned and he taught me how to cultivate that relationship with him, cultivate that time with him. If I never am used, if I never preach to another person, and I'm not saying that I don't want to do that, but I'm content being the Lord's. I'm content being his. And I remember one time I was I was playing the keyboard and I was in that deep, intimate place with the Lord, overwhelmed, that's crying and weeping. And the Lord came and he said to me, Henry, he says, I know in your heart that if you could stay here and just play your keyboard and worship me, you would do this for the rest of your life. And that blesses me. And and I said, yes, Lord, there's nothing more than I want, nothing more than I want to minister to you, to be with you, to see you and know you. And then he said this to me, he goes, can I show you something better? I said to myself, Lord, what could be better than this? And I turned and I saw a room full of people loving the Lord the same exact way, the way I was loving the Lord and the Lord was loving him. And I wept and I cried and I was completed in a greater way than I could ever been alone with the Lord. You know, I could see that his heart was more, even more full because of all of those people loving him like I was and him loving them as he was loving me. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, that's far better. And there was some, something got deposited within me. And he said, see those people, Henry? Those are all of those you're going to reach for me. You're going to bring them to me into this very place where I brought you. And that's what I spent the rest of my life doing. I, you, I'm not on the street corners evangelizing, you know, uh, you know, like back in the day. But I am making myself available for the Lord to use me and send me to those saved and unsaved that desire the Lord, that have that capacity, that have that desire to love him and want him just because he is. And maybe that's different than other people's ministry and that's fine, but that's what God has called me to do. And so one of the things to develop that I had to learn to be alone with the Lord, spend time with the Lord. I would get up at six o'clock in the morning as I learned and I would do what Brother Taylor did and I'd close my eyes and I'd wait. And I'd be still. And I keep my Bible, sometimes a pad next to me or a laptop. Because in that time, I don't know what the Lord wants to do. I'm waiting on him. I want to know what his desires are. My mom learned this. Donna learned this. My mom would wake up every morning and her first prayer would be, Lord, what's on your heart? What a beautiful prayer. Lord, what's on your heart? In other words, I got all of these needs. I got all these things I pray about, but Lord, what is valuable to you? See, that's what appreciating the Lord is. When you put down your needs to meet his, when your only desire is to meet his needs above your needs, that's when you begin to spiritually grow beyond anything that you could ever imagine. You begin to spiritually mature because now the Lord has you in a place, in a position where he can trust you with his secrets and his mysteries and his heart because you love him above all these things. Now, one of the keys of spending that alone time, remember I said a couple of things. You can take your Bible, get a pad paper, and whatever the Lord wants to do, he may have you write down a scripture. He may expound a scripture to you. He may cause you to pray and do intercessory prayer. He may just love on you there. He may just cause you to worship him there. It's not about what you do. It's about what he desires. That's why we're meeting with him. What do you desire, Lord? But be open and sensitive to whatever direction the Lord wants to take you. Now, I'm going to share with you, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this next time when we get on the next uh, podcast. Song of Solomon chapter 1-4 is a, a prayer of desire that I'm going to share with you as I close out this broadcast. 
It's the Shulamite's prayer. And she is hungry for the Lord. She has been working hard for the Lord. She's a member of the church body, the stepbrothers, the pastors, the leaders, the Fipo ministries. They made her the keeper of their vineyard. But she begins to see the Lord Jesus, the shepherd, outside the camp, outside of where all the church activity was. And he had sheep around him and he was feeding them in a very special way. And she desired to see him. She saw him and she wanted to know him like these other sheep knew him. So she begins to seek him in Song of Solomon. And she says this, she said, the Song of Solomon, it says, let him, verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Then realizing that Solomon had arrived and had heard her speech, she turns to him and says, for your love is better than wine. Now Solomon and the Shulamite represent the bride and the bridegroom, Jesus and us. And then she says, the odor of your ointments is fragrant. Your name is like perfume poured out. Therefore, do the maidens love you? You're, she says, I can smell your aroma. I can smell your cologne. And one of the things that I have, a, I only wear one cologne for a reason. I wear Fierce by Abercrombie. And Donna has two colognes, uh, two perfumes that she wears, that she, she likes, okay, um, that, you know, that I've gotten her. But she uses one more than the other one, Mademoiselle. I know it. She has a distinct uh, aroma with that perfume. And I have a distinct aroma with Fierce. If you go to Abercrombie, you can smell it when you walk by. They always have it blowing through the, the vents. But, what, but the Lord has an aroma that you can smell. And that's what she's saying. I can, you're better than all the ointments and then all of those smells. She says, she said, the odor of your ointments is fragrant and your name is like perfume poured out. I was so in love with Donna. I would write her name on everything. I don't know if she did that with me, but I wrote her name. Henry loves Donna. Henry loves Donna. And I couldn't say her name enough. See, that's when you're lovesick. See, this Shulamite bride is lovesick. And I'm making this broadcast to those of you that are lovesick or want to be lovesick for the Lord and giving you a couple of tools. She ends this with a prayer. And this is where I'm going to end for today. It says, draw me. When you're alone with the Lord, just say those two words. Draw me. I say, draw me, Lord. Like this, draw me, Lord. And I wait. That's all I say. Draw me. And what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for this Holy Spirit to quicken in me. And you'll know it because you'll feel his presence. There'll be a quickening. There'll be an uplifting. You can feel it that the Lord is taking us out of the natural, out of our mind and bringing us up in the spirit. He's mounting us up on eagle's wings. Okay, he says, draw me and I'll stay there. And I wait until I can feel that presence of the Lord drawing me upward. And when I feel that drawing presence, I begin to love him. And tell him how much I love him, how much I appreciate him. Sometimes I start there. But what am I looking for? I'm waiting for the Lord to come through that door. Like my office door is closed right now. I'm waiting for him to come right through that door and meet with me. See, that's how you have to approach him. I hope this will help you. Wait, expect him. It says, wait, expect the Lord. And he wants to manifest his presence to you, which, which means make himself known to your five senses so that you can taste him, touch him, see him, smell him, and hear him. And he will do that because he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they'll be filled. He wants to fill you with his person. When he fills you with his person, that's when you get to know him and see him and understand him and know him for who he is. And so after that prayer, and I spend that time, then I pray the second part of this, this, this prayer of drawing. It says, we will run after you. Now, there's only one person here. So who's the we? 
after I feel that lifting presence, I say, we will run after you. That means my body, my soul, my spirit. That's all of me, the we. Body, soul, and spirit. And I say, that, Lord, Lord, my body, soul, and spirit will run after you. What am I doing when I say that? When I'm saying we will run after you, that means I am now putting my singular attention upon you. You have my mind, my heart, my soul, my body, and I'm here to pursue you. I love them that love me. And those that diligently seek me early and diligently, they shall find me. And to those that I love, I cause them to inherit true riches and I fill their treasuries. That's Proverbs 8, 17 and 21. Again, and I say, we will run after you. And I say, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be is yours. I say, I love you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Today, I went on a walk and I was praying in tongues, but all I could do was in that time alone with the Lord was just worship. I sang that song, you know, uh, I forgot I forgot which one I was singing today, but it was, um, um, I'm coming back to a heart of worship. It's all about you. And I sang it in tongues. Then the last part of this prayer is where I want to go. And the, the king has brought me into his chambers. I said, Lord, take me into your chambers. I want to know what your heart is. I want to know what your desires are today. Beloved, if you take that prayer, Song of Solomon, chapter 1-4, break it into three parts. Said in a long time with the Lord, appreciate him, love him, honor him, and, and just say, here I am, Lord. I just want to know you. Now, nothing may happen the first day. You may not feel a thing. That doesn't mean the Lord hasn't come. It just means he's waiting to see if you really mean it. So don't get too, too anticipating that something's going to instantly happen. I say to the Lord now, Lord, you don't have to do a thing. I'm just coming. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to give me anything. You don't have to reveal anything. I don't need another road. I just want to be with you. And if I don't feel a thing, Lord, I'm satisfied being here just with you. Go into the Lord's presence with that attitude. If he shows you something wonderful, if he causes you to pray, wonderful. If he, if he just overwhelms you with his love, wonderful. The whole point is to be and meet with the Lord alone. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, but they shall be filled. We'll pick up on this on the next podcast. Thank you for watching. God bless you. And may the Lord teach us to go deeper into his heart, to find him, to know him, to want him, to desire him. And may he teach us his way. I pray this over you today that are watching this, that the Lord will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, including finding him and knowing him in every area of your life, and that he would guide you with his own eye. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. God bless you. Hey, listen, if you're watching this broadcast, I want to remind you, we are having a special three-day um, uh, divine convergence in Navarre, Florida, April 7th through the 9th. You might want to come check out our website at www.flameofire2007.org. Go to the event page and man, come for this time, three days of just being alone with the Lord. He's the agenda. He's the plan. He's what we're doing. There's no speakers except the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have a divine encounter with the Lord. Hope you can come. Love you all. Bye-bye.